we took the vendor at face value thinking, hey, they're not going to try to screw us. And then it turns out that's all they cared about. How do we even find ourselves in this position? Where were the red flags that I missed? You know, you learn from them and try not to make that same mistake with the next vendor. Choose not to live in a world of filters. Realize your mistakes. Set the foundation for your success. Get some wins. Knucklehead Podcast. Well, welcome to another edition of Knucklehead Podcast. You got with you today, the Knucklehead Stephen. And before you press the fast forward to 15 seconds to find out who today's guest is, just do me a favor. If you're a dude and you like to work out, you're probably pretty stinky, you know, if you, especially if you spend some time in the military, like our guest today, Mr. Nick Ripplingler of Battlesite Technologies. He's joining us via the magic of Squadcast. And he's all the way out in Dayton, Ohio. So how are you? The building looks a little different from the last time that we had talked. Yeah. So last time we talked, I was down in the basement. Is that what it was? Was it really? Yeah. So now we're at, you know, the Battlesite World Headquarters. Kind of see part of the shop behind us. So sorry for any of the background distractions that may happen. Oh, it, it, hey, that's what happens in the workaday world, my friend. It's a constant distraction. No, I get you. But for those of you who are listening, who are sweaty and nasty, like I was alluding to earlier, do yourself and all those people who are around you a favor and just go over to Manscaped. Use the promo code Knucklehead. Like Nick, if he's in the office today, he's got people walking around him all the time. The last thing those folks need to smell is the remnants of the workout that he completed yesterday because he's a hard worker. He, I mean, is that the same shirt that you've had on for like three days now? Yeah. Because I know that this is like day two for me. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's COVID. That's a, so, I mean, Manscaped doesn't always have the lawnmower type products, but if you like them, go ahead and do that type of thing. They actually make you smell good. They actually keep you fresh. My wife throws the powder to keep my feet smelling fine. Thank God. Because otherwise I'm just, you know, she's repulsed and I have to put my shoes out in the backyard and then I have to deal with the spiders. And that's a completely different topic. So it's just a simple thing to do. I know, right? And you can save like what, 20% or something like that with your code? Yeah. You save 20% and you get free shipping, which apparently that's a, that's a, that's a big deal. That's a big deal in today's world. So anyway, use the promo code Knucklehead over Manscaped. So we appreciate what they do for us here at Knucklehead and all the network of podcasts that we produce. But I want to fast forward right into today's episode with my buddy, Nick. What I love about his story is whenever I transitioned away from the military, I was asked to manage and build a sales team for the first time. And my wife was also, you know, relatively new to the corporate world. She had always been an independent contractor and always kind of done her own thing. But she was dipping her toe into the corporate world. And so there was this element of leadership and structured leadership that was new to her. And there was a book that Nick wrote. And I don't know if he knows this, he may remember this, but when he wrote that book, I think it's called Battlefield Frontline. I'm going to butcher it. What's the name of it again? Frontline Leadership. Frontline Leadership. And on the cover, it's a picture of somebody in uniform and then somebody in a suit. And it was an image of, of Nick that was very clear about understanding there's there's a difference between leaning somebody on the front lines and then being able to separate themselves and actually have a, a strategic objective and a strategic outlook on what was taking place. And so she recognized where she was at, reached out to Nick. He was able to develop a relationship simply just through a couple of Facebook messages. And the way he handled himself through that entire process, I admired the way that he did that. And so I reached out, had a conversation with him. And that's what I love about Nick's story is how relatable he may not recognize it, how he leads. I admire the way that he just 
goes after problems. He was just talking a few minutes ago about how his business is experiencing what high, fast, rapid pace growth companies go through. He's like a duck on the water. He just lets it happen and it just comes to him as it goes. And so I appreciate that about him. But if we rewind the clock back about 18 months ago when we actually had him on the podcast last. It's been that long. It was almost two years ago. It may have been actually closer to two years than 18 months. But for context, for those of you who are listening, he just talked about how he was in the basement of his home now at the world headquarters over at uh, Battlesite Technologies in Dayton, Ohio. But he was operating out of the basement of his home and he was also negotiating the worldwide licensing distribution for his product. I admire the two realities of what's going on, but that's where we were when we left things off. You were just talking about how you had landed a few contracts and developing momentum in the government contracting space. Tell us a little bit about what changed after you signed that agreement and you know what took place. Yeah, so we've got a you know amazing international distribution partner in Steiner E Optics. They uh, produce the PVS twenty one night vision goggles. We happen to produce infrared targets, so it's just kind of a match that worked. Since then, we've done shot show. We've done you know trade shows all across the world. At this point, trade shows. When you when you talk about that, that's that's pre COVID stuff. Yeah, so, I mean, pre COVID. It's totally crushed us in twenty twenty. I won't lie. With all those being canceled. So is that so? When you talk about shot show and those and those trade shows, although you have a partner that you you know that's a, a great strategic alignment, is it because of the lack of brand awareness? People don't know where to get your product, or, or help us understand the impact of not being able to to go to those trade shows has on your business. Yeah, so I think the biggest thing about our products are all right. We make it cram. It's very easy to describe, but until you put on night vision goggles and walk into that dark room and go vandalize our trade show booth, it's really hard to comprehend how the product works. So those trade shows are more product awareness, customer engagement type situations that eventually lead to a sale. So on that front, it's, you know, when people say they get their hands dirty, they have to get their hands dirty with the product. Yeah. That's legitimately what you're talking about without having their hands product they don't understand the context or application of it is that right exactly i mean it's it's extremely hard to like visually tell you hey you're going to walk in there you're going to put some pressure on a wall and it's going to light up and then you're going to take the night vision goggles away and see nothing it doesn't translate it's not nearly as powerful as when you actually go do it when people think of that problem first of all it, the visibility of of the problem to begin with let alone the solution that you provide that's the same problem that you had whenever you were you know, just getting started in your business. You wanted to get the product out there. You wanted to get, honestly, people to recognize that you solved a huge issue, especially when you're talking about it being on the battlefield. So is there similarities to the way that you're having to deal with solving this problem now versus whenever you first got your business started? Yeah. So, you know, now we're in you know financial position where we can ship out a bunch of samples and, you know, throw a little handwritten card in, hey, check this out, let us know what you think. But then that led to like other problems, like we had to put an instruction card on how to use a crayon. We were fielding like crazy phone calls of, hey, I don't see anything. Do you have night vision goggles? And they're like, no. And then we got night vision goggles, but I'm in a well-lit office with the lights on. So, <laughs> I mean, there's just like little nuances that we can really control in that trade show booth area that kind of gets lost in that long distance sales process. Well, the thing that's consistent in every scenario is eventually darkness happens, right? So, I mean, it's nighttime yeah. somewhere in the world right now. So we can all agree that it doesn't last forever in terms of where, you know, where the darkness is. But the consistency is, is people that use your product, the people that really that you help, they operate in the darkness. Is that a mischaracterization or am I just a knuckle drag? That's 100% correct. You know, the reason we fight the way we do is because we've got night superiority over our enemies. 
and you know, battle sites is trying to give these men and women on the front lines just a couple extra tools that make them safer and more lethal. Hey, you ever asked yourself why you haven't started a podcast? Well, I already know the reason. So do you. You don't feel like you're tech savvy. You don't feel like you got your message wired tight. And quite frankly, it's just, it's all this mystification going on. Quite frankly, uh, our process helps to demystify that. We're push button for podcasts. We're knucklehead. Why knucklehead? Well, we lead with the fact that you don't know what you're doing. We do. We've been there. We've actually been in your shoes. We take your spoken voice. We literally give a human voice to your website. You want to bring dead leads to life? Well, then you need to talk to Knucklehead. Essentially, what we're going to do is we're going to take you through our process and we're going to help take your human voice and increase the process for you going from dead leads to life. How do I how do I do that? Well, you essentially just take your human voice, put it in a directory and let people consume more of you. Give your audience the ability to Netflix on you. They want to binge watch you. They want to binge listen. Give them the ability to take your voice along on that commute with them. So you can get in touch with us, Steven at Knucklehead Podcasts, or if you've got a really cool story, stories at Knucklehead Podcasts. You can find us on LinkedIn and on Facebook at Knucklehead Promotions LLC and get in touch with us. Don't be a beta about the process. Don't let the fact that you don't know prevent you from getting some wins. So don't be a beta, get some wins and contact us today. See ya. So I think it's important then to draw the distinction as to how valuable and how precious those extra few moments. I mean, think about it. Like I was... I don't know about you, but sometimes I like to scare my wife or like my seeing my six-year-old, he, he jumps out of the corner, you know, and typically it's somewhere dark where we can't see him jumping out. And so I just, I scared the bejesus out of my, my wife a couple of days ago and her reaction was priceless, but it was funny how we were talking about it afterwards when I jumped out and I scared her. It was not all that dissimilar to maybe somebody who's breaking into your home or somebody who's, who's broken into your home and is hiding there or you know, if you're a police officer or somebody who's, you know, in charge of security, you, you want to be able to try to see where you have a few extra seconds as an advantage over whomever it is that you're either trying to protect or you, you want to create some distance. And so the, the fact that your tool actually helps to facilitate communication and also provide those extra seconds to, to law enforcement or to, you know, federal authorities you can't really quantify how important that is, but sometimes you're talking about the difference between a successful and unsuccessful mission, right? Yeah. And those couple seconds in like a firefight scenario really, you know, potentially changes the outcome. I mean, that's kind of what we're trying to do here. Just make it, you know, safer for these men and women on the front line. Kind of well, giving that upper hand to continue. Well, I mean, all right. So let's back up to that time whenever you negotiated that worldwide uh, licensing distribution deal. Obviously, that presents some challenges, right? It, meaning you have this ideal scenario that you negotiate in the boardroom. It's supposed to go a certain way. And then all of a sudden, again, no plan survives contact with the enemy. So you go to start to execute. And uh, and remember, this is Knucklehead Podcast. This is not, you know, we did it perfectly every time for the first time podcast or, you know, how you built it with Guy Raz. This is, this is what you screw up along the way and what learning lessons did you glean from that? So can you tell us, can you share a little bit about what, you know, what was a, maybe a painful experience to have to go through after you negotiated that? And then what did you get into next to, to bring us to where we are today? Yeah. So I think the biggest mistake we made during that whole process is we like to move fast and break things here at Battlesite. And we're really good at moving fast and definitely really good at breaking things. But we probably executed that distribution agreement a little too early. Our supply chain wasn't quite caught up with, you know, where we were taking our sales force. 
So hindsight, looking back, I'd probably would have changed the timing on that a little bit, but we got great partners who worked with us and no complaints on that front. Is it revealing then working with other people that are, you know, that are type A drivers who want to get things done, want to move fast? Is it revealing to find out that there's people just like you who work in other companies uh, who understand the, the growing pains associated with an agreement like that? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, one open communication is really what probably saved and made it that as smooth as possible. And just, you know, being open and transparent with your partners and, you know, bringing them along for also what's in development, which is, you know, kind of the step we took after that distribution agreement was, hey, we don't want to be a one product company. We don't want to be a lifestyle company. We want to grow, you know, a massive product development company and, you know, produce products that have immediate impact on the warfighter. So as we're developing out these, you know, suite of IR products, you know, communicating on where the development is so we don't find ourselves kind of in that last minute, oh, shit, how are we going to go produce massive quantities of these when we haven't quite put all the pieces together? After the podcast, we were able to kind of sync up again at a, at a conference that you were at. And you had talked about that. You had talked about taking this new product and then iterating, you know, going and, and making some I don't necessarily know if they were huge changes or if they were small changes and and then huge differences in terms of the application. But help me understand and help our listeners understand a little bit more about how these new products are developed. Or can you talk about some of those? Because I know yeah. I know some of those are maybe tied to the to contracts that are the three letter agencies we can't talk about. Yeah. So on the Craytac side of things, you know, we got really good at making small quantities of them, and that process didn't scale the way we thought it was going to. So we basically had to start over from ground zero with the whole plan of mass production. And we got there, but it took, you know, six months that we weren't really planning on. And then we kind of expanded the portfolio by building those relationships with our customer, which is probably the number one thing we do best here. They started bringing us some of their other problems and there's a friend foe identification issue. And so we went and acquired a new piece of technology that works like the dials on the watch, soaks in light energy, and then emits an IR signal for, you know, a full night cycle. What's IR? Is it infrared? Infrared, yeah, exactly. Interesting. Yeah, so that product is, you know, under contract now and should be hopefully full production by the end of the year. The Air Force came to us with a problem about, you know, finding down pilots and air crew on open water, which, you know, as a Marine, you can probably understand a little bit better than us ground army guys. So we found a way to repurpose that same chemistry in our Craytac product and make an infrared sea dye marker for the down pilots and air crew. And uh, COVID's definitely kind of slowed that project down because we can't get out and test. But we had the first test out in Okinawa and Kadena Air Force Base last year. Huge success. It was about four times better than what we could have predicted from our lab scales. When you say four times better, help me understand how, because there's a book that I'm reading right now, and I've talked about this last few times uh, on the podcast. It's called How to Measure Anything. And it's unbelievable about taking data sets and small context and then quantifying that over, you know, larger populations. Obviously, there's you know, a, an element of the of statistics that you have to be able to use that to quantify the accuracy of that particular data set. But it talks about a sample of, and I'm, I'm interrupting you even as I'm asking you this question, so forgive me, You're but good, man. There's, there's five data sets that he talks about. He talks about the power of five. If you can extract five data points in your set and use that as your calculation, essentially with 93.7% accuracy, whatever the outcome of that data point of five is, 
it actually ends up giving you the insight that you need without running these crazy calculations and these huge problems with controlling all these different factors in order to produce an outcome. Granted, 93.7 is better than you know, terrible, but it's not 100%. It's done as better than perfect, which I think a lot of folks are starting to realize here in this COVID world. Yeah, absolutely. First, totally agree with you on that. And uh, so we had only two data points. So I'm not sure how that math works out off the top of my head. But uh, our goal is to see the target from 500 feet overhead, directly overhead. So we've got an altitude and then through the test, we got the hypotenuse kind of calculations and we were able to see it from 2000 feet altitude. So that's really simple math, four times, 500 feet, that's four times. And then we were able to see it from a mile away when the goal is just directly overhead. Ah, okay. I gotcha. See, for all those math people out there, we all have knuckle dragon Marines who listen to this as well. And for those of you who are SDRs out there in the sales world, typically when your sales manager asks you to do something and you can come up with a, a fancy sounding calculation, you, you bought yourself some time like our friend Nick just did on the <laughs> <Absolutely>. explanation. <laughs> I love that. So that's cool. Congratulations on that test. That's awesome, man. Thank you. Yeah. So it was the first test. We're not, you know, cracking bottles of champagne yet, but it was, you know, far better than we were expecting. And that project's kind of expanded to now can we start using some, you know, higher altitude aircraft or possibly even like some space-based assets to help identify and locate these isolated personnel or down pilots and aircrew. It's interesting, you know, when you talk about advancements in technology, right? This is a, a for instance, on like a Louis Zamperini story in, in World War II. There was a, a book called Unbroken. And then I think Angelina Jolie uh, directed a movie, which she did a pretty good job telling that story. But one of the issues in World War II was finding down pilots. And now, I mean, you fast forward to 2020 and where they had made movies about folks who survived that scenario. Now, now they can talk about potentially saving lives and, and shaving time. I mean, minutes, hours, days off of these search parties that are trying to find down pilots. I would imagine that there's probably some other commercial applications too, once you crack that nut. Nick, maybe I'm off base in saying that. No, there's definitely commercial applications that we're super excited to explore. But uh, kind of our priority here at Battlesites is the warfighter. So we're going to take care of those guys first and then go hit up the Deltas and the Uniteds of the world. There you go. I like it. I like it. Well, talk to us then real quick about what the process has been like. So you mentioned and you made reference to the supply chain issues that you ran into at the beginning of that licensing agreement. How do you solve a problem like supply chain? Because some of what you have to deal with is vendor accountability and you know selecting the right people and Talk to us a little bit about how you make those decisions there at Battlesite. Yeah, so I won't lie. It's not very scientific. It's more emotional. We just want to do business with people that we like. So we've you know fired some vendors along the way, and some vendors have fired us. But really finding those people that you can connect with on like a personal level. We try to keep everything super local. I think our farthest supplier now is about an hour and a half away. So if there ever is an issue, we can run up the road and check it out for ourselves as well, which is super convenient, and I think, probably just good business practice but we just like doing business with some cool people that understand the mission who are bought in we kind of use the phrase like-hearted um we don't need like-minded people we need people that are way smarter than us on our supply chain side of things but who are fully bought into the mission how did you come up with that like-hearted i love that uh, i love that phrase totally stole it from my business partner uh bennett tanton have no clue who he stole it from i'd love to take credit for it but i don't think it was us like everything that's great that's out there. It's like, there's a version of it that you just kind of took from somebody else. Yeah, exactly. It's like the Japanese, for instance, they, the great borrowing, they stole like the culture of the Chinese and 
you know, adapted it to their own. Or like everybody bastardizing the OODA loop thought process. I think Dave Burke is probably one of the best instructors that I've ever heard explain what the OODA loop principle is. You probably know this being a an army guy better than most, but it was new to me. I was just a knuckle dragon Marine here in this F-18 fighter pilot just completely make me feel like a retard. You know, I'm like, I don't understand what you're saying, but that makes so much more sense now that I've listened to you explain what that is. Exactly. But that's kind of, you know, something we've kind of adopted here and live by is we only want to do business with like-hearted people. So if you don't care about making the warfighter's life better, we don't want to do business with you. If you can't in, you know, five minutes understand what we're trying to do and want to be part of it and like completely sucked into the mission, we don't want to do business with you. And we've been very fortunate to find the right partners who understand what we're setting out to do, who somehow have their own personal tie to something that we mentioned. And it's just worked great. Talk to us just real quick and let's do this maybe in closing. Let's leave these listeners with the lesson of uh, finding somebody who wasn't like hearted. You know, I think that this is a a very, very important lesson that a lot of people uh, who maybe are just getting started in business or maybe as their business grows are now presented with new challenges or or issues when they don't have the right people that are bought in, that are tied into that particular mission. It amplifies the problem. I want you to talk through maybe some challenges that you've had to overcome. I'd, I'd be happy to share some here myself. Yeah. And so, I mean, we made a very poor decision when we first started looking at the packaging for one of our products and, you know, not knowing what we don't know, we kind of took the vendor at face value thinking, Hey, they're not going to try to screw us. And then it turns out that's all they cared about was they wanted us to sign up to minimums that were unrealistic at price points that were unrealistic. And so, you know, before we executed that contract, we went and shopped around the price and found out, Holy shit, we're getting totally taken to the cleaners. They're not bought into the mission. All they care about is the money grab. And so luckily we were able to, you know, avoid that before anything got papered. Interesting. So two things happen. There's the natural like human response where you, you kind of get pissed. Yeah, without a doubt. Uh, however, prior to going through that process, did you come away questioning kind of what your judgment was prior to? Or were you just thankful yeah. that you had a business partner that helped you, you know, keep yourself accountable? You know, I think any like good leader, person, decision maker, whatever you want to call us, you know, I think we're always going to be harder on ourselves than anybody else. And yeah, there's a lot of uh, kicking yourself in the ass for like, how do we even find ourselves in this position? Thinking back through the process, where were the red flags that I missed? You know, you learn from them and try not to make that same mistake with the next vendor. Well, I think that that's a lesson that you can apply regardless of what industry you're in, regardless of what business you're in, finding the right partner. Do you read much or do you have much time to read as your business is growing, as you're doing tests on the other side of the world, as you're trying to make the warfighters life significantly better? Yeah. So I got about a 30 minute commute. So I do the audible thing to and from work. And then before COVID hit, I was on airplanes all the time. So got pretty good at reading on an airplane. What do you read? Mostly business books. What are you reading right now? If you don't mind me asking, I know that you're a best-selling author yourself, but what are you reading right now? Yes. Uh, super fortunate. I'm reading a book that hasn't been released yet called Bonafide by uh, Randy Blass out of Florida University. That's coming out this year. Very similar to my style of writing and the way I like to comprehend stuff is short stories. I'm about halfway through it now. It's been a fantastic book. Very cool. Very cool. And I know that you had written Frontline Leadership. I can't remember if it was four or five years ago. How long ago did you write that? I think it's been like five years. It's crazy. It doesn't seem that long ago. It really doesn't. But like when you start to do the math, you're like, oh, geez, wow, it's, it's been some time. 
Are you working on anything right now that you can share with us that is written or are you just more focused on building playbooks and you know strategy within the business? It's mostly playbooks and strategy right now. There's an outline kicking around in my head, but I won't lie, man. I haven't put pen to paper yet at all on it. Well, I know that that's, that's I was going to say that's just a matter of time before <laughs> I'm sure that there's going to be coming soon another book from Nick Ripplinger. So, Nick, I appreciate you taking some time and walking us through kind of the pains of a growing business, but the persistence and grit and determination that you're having and the way that you're deciding to take it upon yourself to go present opportunities uh, for folks that are in the Dayton area and those tangentially connected to your business to find, you know, like-hearted folks. We appreciate you taking the time to share with our audience some of the pains associated with growth. Anything else that you want to leave these folks with before we jam? No, man, just if there's anything I can do out there, just reach out to me. Happy to help any way we can. What is the best way? How, how can people come find you? If people are wanting to crack open one of those crayons and draw in the dark and then see them through night vision goggles, how do people find you? Yeah, probably through uh, Facebook or Instagram, Bellsite Technologies. I don't know. Just Google Nick Rippling or something will pop up. There you go. We keep it simple here at Knucklehead. Yeah. I love it. All right. Well, don't be a bait about the process. For those of you who are like listening to episodes, we got new episodes coming at you every Tuesday. Like, subscribe to the show. Do yourself a favor. If you know somebody who's in law enforcement, if you know somebody who happens to work in the evening and needs some visibility in terms of what it is that they're doing, my suggestion is, is to do exactly what Nick talked about. Go to those channels that he promoted on Facebook or Instagram or Google Nick Ripplingler and go find Battleside Technologies and engage with them. Ask, ask. Worst case scenario is there's not a fit. Best case scenario is you're going to help a veteran-owned business for somebody who's moving and shaking out there in the Midwest and doing some great things. So, Nick, we appreciate you. Have a good rest of the day. Thanks, brother. You bet.